0: Shalom, and welcome to Inside Israel News, your source for unbiased and thorough analysis of Israeli news, politics, and current events in the Middle East. I'm your host, Isaac Kite. Welcome back to Inside Israel News. Exciting, exciting news. Lots of good stuff today. I'm glad to be able to bring you this episode. I had uh, hoped to do it uh, a day or two ago, but with uh, so much news about to break, I figured I'd just go ahead and wait until uh, the deadline or until the big announcement. And now that it has come, uh, I can finally go ahead and uh, make this episode. Israel has elected its 11th president, Isaac Herzog. Congratulations to him, or kol Hagavod as we say in Hebrew. Uh, And it looks as though the change block has finally reached a majority, possibly uh, and uh, Yair Lapid believes he will be able to form a government in the coming weeks. More detail on that uh, shortly. I'm going to go ahead and, and dedicate this episode solely to politics because there's so much to say. If I try to add any news or other such, it'll just it'll just drag on. Uh, but there's there's plenty to go through with just those two little tidbits of news. And uh, after that, uh, go into some of the details of what uh, those things, uh, kind of the nuts and bolts how it's put together, and some of what, what that means. There'll be plenty of time to talk about that going forward, but uh, what, how's this all going to play out now that uh, it looks as though uh, Bibi Netanyahu is about to lose uh, office as prime minister, to, be, to, to leave office after uh, 12 years consecutively in office, and uh, 15 years overall as uh, prime minister of Israel. So that's the big news. As always, please follow Inside Israel News on uh, Facebook so you can stay up with the news. I posted uh, some of the the happenings there uh, in between episodes. That way you can stay up to date and you won't miss an episode. And of course, you can find Inside Israel News on Apple, Spotify, Podbean, or wherever podcasts are heard. Uh, And if you're interested in listening through your browser, want to read more, Uh, From yours truly, your host, Isaac Kite, Uh, you can find that on politicalvanguard.com, politicalvanguard.com, where Inside Israel News has a little section there that you can listen. And uh, in the contributors section, every now and then, you'll find an article on uh, international politics or American politics from me. All right, let's get to the Israeli political news. As I mentioned in previous podcast episodes... Uh, The presidential election is coming up for the Israeli president. Israel's president serves a seven-year term and is limited to one term of office. Originally, uh, they were terms of five years, and uh, it was possible to be re-elected, and so several Israeli presidents were. But uh, in 2000, after political scandal with the presidency, uh, a president who had served in office for seven years, they decided to change the term length to seven, which coincides with the length of term for presidents in countries like France, uh, <clears throat> or used to anyway. <laughs> the French changed it to five years a few years back. But in any case, a lot of countries that have a ceremonial figurehead presidents give them a seven-year term. So they gave the presidency a seven-year term, and they're limited to one term only. Uh, the president is elected by the Knesset. A majority of the Knesset, 61 out of 120 seats, is necessary to choose a candidate. The president has no real power in terms of the day-to-day management of the government, uh, but the presidency does have some important powers of appointment. For example, the head of Israel's central bank uh, and a few other offices in the government. uh, And the president plays a role in uh, selecting and and giving a mandate to who will whom will form a, a government after election. So we've talked about President Ruby Rivlin giving the mandate first to Bibi, and then to Yair Lapid. Now, uh, the pres- president does have some leeway, some flexibility with that, but a lot of that is you know which parties recommend the prime minister and and whoever recommends. Uh, when when more when parties worth more seats, recommend a, per, uh, a particular candidate for prime minister. Generally speaking, the president has to go with them. So it's not uh, like the president just handpicks someone who who then goes on to try to form a government. Uh, but the president does play an important role there. Uh, Isaac Herzog or Yitzhak Herzog, as, as they say in uh, uh, in Israel, uh, Herzog is uh, the son of. A prominent uh, Jewish family in Israel. He is the first president of Israel whose father was president. Uh, his, um, his grandfather was the uh, chief rabbi of Ireland uh, back in the 1930s and went on to be the uh, chief uh, Ashkenazic rabbi in Israel and um, his father was a, that was his grandfather, his father was a general and later president of Israel for two terms for ten years. And now uh, Isaac Herzog is president. Critically, the president does have the power of pardoning people for crimes against uh, the state of Israel. And uh, Isaac Herzog has been mute, 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 quiet. He has said nothing as to whether or not he might consider pardoning Bibi Netanyahu. So that is uh, an open question there. Anyway, uh, Isaac Herzog earned 87 votes, more than two-thirds. That's the widest margin for a president in recent memory. Uh, the presidential election in 2014, as I've described in earlier episodes, was really tight, a uh, really close-run election, and it almost went to uh, Mayor Chetri, the uh, opponent who was a uh, member of uh, an opposition party and was put forth by uh, the opposition. And if that had been the case, if he had won, then... Uh, the government might have collapsed at that time, and it was a complicated situation. But um, this time, uh, Israel has a, a broader consensus candidate, and it is noteworthy in Israeli politics that Herzog, who was former Labour Party leader, uh, he currently is the chairman of the Jewish Agency. He's been a long time respected political figure in Israel. Uh, everyone calls him Buji. Buji is his nickname. Uh, Buji's been around for a long time. Uh, like I said, well-respected and a uh, lot of friends in the Knesset and was kind of well, well expected to win he was, he was the, uh, he was the preferred candidate, uh, by a lot of people in the political system. And this is interesting that he is a left-wing president at a time when Israel has a parliament that is two thirds to the right, right, The The right block controls 80 seats in parliament. So this will be uh, an interesting presidency. Uh, So he will serve as president until July of 2028. He will take office uh, this July uh, when Ruby Rivlin's term as president comes to a a close. Uh, He received all kinds of congratulations. His opponent, Miriam Peretz, who is a longtime educator, inspirational speaker in Israel, winner of the Israel Award, uh, was a distant second for office. And uh, she uh, said that she believes Herzog will be a great president uh, so it was all fairly amicable campaign. Uh, of course, Miriam Peretz is famous that, uh, for losing two sons uh, in the wars uh, defending Israel. And uh, she has been an inspirational speaker on the cause of Zionism and supporting uh, uh, the, the cause of Israel. And of course, talking about loss, talking about what it is to lose, uh, to lose her sons for uh, the defense of her country. As I've already said in the uh, introduction, I noted that uh, Israel will have a new government soon, or will likely have a new government soon. Uh, Let's just say that the next step in the process uh, has been completed. Uh, Negotiators worked till late in the night. Wednesday night, midnight was the deadline, the end of Yair Lapid's mandate to form a government. If it had uh, gone past midnight without him having some form of agreement to form a government, then that would have been... Uh, the end of Yair Lapid's time and uh, there would have been a 21-day window during which any member of the Knesset could form a government. But in all likelihood, since both uh, Bibi and uh, Lapid had tried to form a government, in all likelihood those days would just pass without a government forming and new elections would have been called by the end of June, scheduled for this autumn sometime. However, prior to the deadline, about half an hour before midnight, negotiations bore fruit, at least they purport to have borne fruit, and uh, Yair Lapid communicated to the president, in accordance with Israeli laws, that the coalition he is putting together has enough votes to form a government. That's 61 votes out of 120. They need to have parties, they need to form a, a group of parties, a coalition of parties, who have 61 votes. Now, uh, that's not easy to do, and he's cobbling together parties from the far right, from the far left, from the center left, from the center, trying to build a unity government that would, uh, basically, it's coming together to oust Bibi Netanyahu from the office of prime minister. So this is uh, this is his effort. Now, uh, his saying that he has the votes or, or communicating that does not mean that the the change of government will happen. They have to schedule a vote. The Knesset does not come back into plenum. It does not come back into session uh, until June 7th. And it's on that day that the spe- uh, the Knesset speaker, uh, Mr. Levin, can schedule a vote. So it could be up to 12 days, maybe even longer, before a vote can be held to change the government. And there is some suspicion that Likud will try to draw that out while they mount pressure on... Uh, the right-wing members of Knesset in the change block to try to convince them not to vote for Yair Lapid. So this is, uh, this is the pressure. This is what they're going to have to do. However, uh, if, uh, Levine tries to delay the vote, it is possible that, uh, they could, the, the new incoming government could oust the speaker, elect a new speaker, and then schedule the vote sooner. So, uh, it would be best if the Speaker would just go ahead and schedule the vote. So um, that that's the nuts and bolts of it. Chances are in the next week or so, uh, an election, a vote will be held and uh, the new government will be sworn in. From what we understand, although uh, they've published none of the uh, agreements, Naftali Bennett of the Yamina party will serve as prime minister in the first rotation until September of 2023. And then after that, uh, Yair Lapid will serve as prime minister until November of 2025, which is when the next election is scheduled. Obviously, that's all tentative because at any time uh, the government could fall and and new elections could be called, or a new prime minister could be elected between now and then. It, it's not uh, that's not set in stone. It's not like in the United States where you elect a president and then that person serves as president until. They die or resign they resign, or they're removed from office by Congress, basically an act of God. Uh, the uh, <clears throat> you know, in Israel, the, the Prime minister can change hands at any time. In any case, uh, Lapid says he has a government, and I'll go into the nuts and bolts of that here in just a minute and, and what that is likely to look like, but this um, you know, at least. Uh, he believes he's able to put it together. Uh, This government will include the Islamist Ra'am Party, or United Arab List, sometimes also called UAL, Uh, Ra'am led by Mansour Abbas, and this will be the first time that an Arab party has joined a coalition government in Israel. Uh, Mansour Abbas has a number of domestic issues that he wants to see resolved, and uh, a lot of concerns for the Arab-Israeli community that uh, he wants to bring forward. So he's taken a huge step and has been willing to join a government in order to address those issues and, and address those concerns. So uh, when we get back from the break here, we'll talk about the uh, details, uh, what the coalition agreement looks like, the parties that are in there, and then I'll uh, go from there. And uh, obviously before I conclude this podcast, we'll discuss B.B. and his future because uh, you can't count B.B. out. He's not completely done yet, uh, and we'll see where, uh, we'll see where that goes. All right, so let's talk about this new government. Uh, the first hitch the new government is going to arrive at is having 61 votes on the day that the uh, the vote of confidence is held, <clears throat> basically the vote to change the government. Now, at the moment, uh, he has uh, the support of uh, the various parties involved, but several people from the Yamina party, that's Naftali Bennett's party, the, the far right, uh, party that uh, he leads, uh, several members have been unwilling to support this government. Uh, one of them, uh, hiki has decided that he will not be voting for the coalition at all. So that reduced uh, Yamina's votes to the coalition from six uh, from seven to six. So only six members are voting. However, another member of Yamina, near Orbach, is uh, considering the matter. He's, de- he's not uh, committed to voting for the government necessarily. <clears throat> He'll be going back and in- forth on that. And there's uh, there's some debate back and forth. Uh, we don't know uh, what he's going to do. There's a lot of pressure on right-wing uh, political personalities by the Netanyahu uh, crowd, by the, the right-wing government. And there have honestly been a few extremist uh, groups uh, who've gone out and made some trouble, uh, shouting uh, death threats at people and Uh, harassing uh, Knesset members uh, at their homes and such. So, unfortunately, there's been a lot of trouble, but uh, that, of course, is all uncalled for. Uh, But Lapid does believe he has the votes. So if he can hold together those 61 votes, and I'll explain where those votes come from in a minute, uh, then he can form a government. Uh, But in the meantime uh though every one of those votes counts he needs every single one of them because the coalition he would be putting together now is going to have exactly 61 votes okay now that said on the other side of that uh there are two other votes that are not spoken for so in the joint list as i mentioned that's a six member party it's a um it's called joint list it represents a number of different arab parties uh three or four Arab parties there, and one of those political parties is the uh, the Taal party. It's a it's a secular nationalist party. So unlike uh, Mansour Abbas and Ra'am, they're not Islamist, uh, dedicated to uh, Islamic ideology, if you will, or religious ideology. They're a secular right wing. um, well, secular nationalist, I should say. They're not right-wing in a sense that we in the Westerners Westerners would call it, but they're a secular nationalist group. And they're led by Ahmed Tibi. And Ahmed Tibi and his number two have not uh, said how they will vote. So it's entirely possible, because Mansour Abbas is joining the government, that if it came down to one vote, right? If, if, If Orbach decided to vote against the government, and so here you have exactly 60 votes, just one shy of a majority, Uh, it's possible TB or um, uh, his other vote would be able to jump in and add the necessary vote to make the government work. However, uh, that's unlikely. It's unlikely that they'll vote for this government, but they are the only other two members of the Knesset who have not declared their vote. So Orbach could go back and forth, he could change his vote, and at the same time we have uh, TB and and his two votes in the Knesset that are not uh, dedicated uh, that could go you know they could they could vote present or not vote at all, or they could vote for the government or they could vote no, so we will find out so uh this is uh this is the excitement we 're going to have it's it 's going to be a close run thing right up to the end you know it 's going to be one of those like those baseball games where it 's the bottom of the ninth, and it's a one-run game, and every pitch, every swing, you know, everything, just this intensity, oh, we got an out, oh my God, finally, you know, that kind of thing. It's it's going to be a close-run thing. So uh, there are 13 parties that won seats in the Knesset during the election, and uh, eight of them would be involved in this change government coalition, right? I've talked about how uh, Bibi Netanyahu, as prime minister, he's, he's the star of the cabinet. So he leads the cabinet very strongly. Um, he personally has a very strong leadership character, and the cabinet is there as his supporting cast. They're there to uh, help him run the government. Whereas this new incoming cabinet would be an all-star cast, if you will, an, an old-star cabinet with a lot of <clears throat> political personalities and a lot of competent people, uh, including some old political names uh, in I- Israeli politics. So. This would be uh, government by uh, some of the, the more talented political leaders rather than just one person, essentially leading not, not untalented people. Some of BB's supporters are, are very strongly talented individuals, but uh, BB himself has a very strong character in the cabinet, and this would be an all star cabinet. So the eight parties that are joining the uh, coalition in uh, in order of their size are Yeshatid. That's Yair Lapid's party. Yeshatid means there is a future. It is a center-left, uh, free market. That is a like a capitalist, anti-corruption, uh, but center-left party that is run by Yair Lapid, who would be going second in rotation. So he'll have the second two years as prime minister. He will serve as foreign minister in the meantime. I'll talk about the cabinet here in just a minute. Uh, Blue and white, which is Benny Gantz's party, uh, a centrist party, everyone generally regards it as centrist. It's just a little bit left of center. Uh, The Israeli political fulcrum has, uh, the the pendulum has swung very far to the right. So the fulcrum of the center uh, does run through blue and white, basically, but blue and white leans a little bit to the left of center. Uh, Benny Gantz, generals in, in Israel do have a tendency to be a little bit left wing. Uh, but he, he generally tries to straddle the center-left uh, political uh, position, the centrist political position. Then there's the Yisrael Betenu party. Uh, Yisrael Betenu means Israel is our home. It is a Russian secular nationalist party led by Avigdor Lieberman. They have seven seats. They'll be adding to the coalition. Labor. Uh, has seven seats. They're led by Mirav Michaeli, who uh, she, she is a, a strong uh, left-wing figure in Israel, a social democrat, that means socialist, for those who don't know, and uh, feminist. And uh, she brought labor back from the dead. Uh, labor was uh, polling right at the threshold. They might not even had seats in the Knesset. And she managed to bring labor back to have seven seats. And looks like she may hold a prominent position in uh, the government. So She's brought really brought labor back from the dead. Uh, Yamina would be bringing six votes if Orbach votes with uh, with Naftali Bennett on this one. Uh, There'd be six of their seven seats. New Hope, uh, which is uh, Gidon Saar's party, Gidon Saar was a main candidate against Bibi during the election, but he kind of uh, deflated toward the end. He only got six seats, and uh, he'd be joining the government. Meretz, which is Meretz, means vigor. It's the um, a small, far-left party that uh, has long been sort of the protest-left party, uh, and uh, they're to the left of, of labor, if that says anything, and um, Ra'am, the United Arab List, with its four seats, okay? If in doing the math, that adds up to exactly 61, and if any one of those uh, 61 people decided to vote against that coalition, it would not have the majority, right? Uh, so that's uh, that's uh, a challenge, right? Uh, there was some last minute sort of finagling around the Judicial Appointments Committee. As I've mentioned, the way judges are appointed in Israel, the right, the political right objects to the process because it basically, a an, an appointments committee, a commission appoints the judges. And a lot of people on the Israeli right feel like this leads to a lot of left-wing judges. It makes the courts very much a powerhouse of the left and uh the right uh wants to see a change in the way judges are appointed so bennett and shaked i let shaked is his number 2 uh she has uh, served as justice minister before and uh she was instrumental in uh pushing for judicial reforms to change exactly that to to adjust this uh this issue of um judicial appointments and allow more right wing judges to be appointed but Um, there was some jockeying over who would be on the committee. Uh, There was a talk of uh, Mirab Mikhali wanted that spot. And then uh, there was a last-minute pitch where uh, maybe Shaked could rotate with Mikhali on that. It's not quite clear how they ironed that out, but apparently they were able to get some kind of an agreement on that. Uh, So, uh, again, this is a a cabinet with a rotation. Uh, The prime minister would initially be... Uh, Naftali Bennett, who would serve for two years until September of 2023, and in the meantime, Yair Lapid would serve as foreign minister as basically the number two spot in the cabinet, and then they'll trade. In uh, September of uh, 2023, uh, then Naftali Bennett will become foreign minister and Yair Lapid will become prime minister. Yair Lapid has long aspired to be prime minister, So that would be a big win for him, finally getting the big office. He would like to enter his name in the history books as a prime minister of Israel. And we'll see how that goes. Uh, But it it would be a a huge victory for him. And uh, the coalition would just have to survive a little over two years to get him into that office. Uh, blue and white leader, Benny Gantz, former general, will remain defense minister. He has been defense minister in the interim government that served uh, since last year. A brief unity government was formed to deal with the virus crisis. And Benny Gantz joined with Bibi Netanyahu and his allies to make that happen. But uh, so he's been serving as defense minister since then. Uh, but when the Knesset dissolved for new elections, it set up a caretaker government, uh, which uh, still has Benny as defense minister, so he would continue in the role of defense minister. And uh, Israel will have a, a competent leadership there. Uh, Yair Lapid, as I've mentioned, uh, I mentioned, again, earlier episodes of the podcast, I went through their political histories. But just briefly, uh, he is the son of Tommy Lapid, a, a prominent uh, uh, Israeli political figure who led the Shinui Party, the Change Party, that sought to change the way that the uh, government uh, gave out social benefits to the ultra-Orthodox Again, I've done an episode on that too. Uh, And uh, Yair Lapid, his son, was a prominent journalist, entered politics in 2012 and was elected to the Knesset in 2013. And he served as finance minister in a government with Bibi and then opposed Bibi in the 2015 elections. And he's been out of government since then. And now he has a shot at being prime minister. Benny Gantz is a former general, very, very competent leader for uh, the defense ministry, uh, the Foreign Ministry will be held or excuse me the Finance Ministry will be held by Avigdor Lieberman of Yisrael Batenu. He has served in various roles as defense Minister foreign minister uh, he 'll definitely be able to handle being the finance minister it 's not a fun job as i 've mentioned before. You have to sp- say no to a lot of people 's pet projects and hey, can we spend a little money to do this? Can we do that? Can we do this? Can we do that And the finance Minister says no, we can 't afford it no, we can 't afford it no, we can 't afford it right so that's <clears throat> not always a fun job, but uh, Avigdor Lieberman will be able to handle that. <clears throat> uh, New Hope leader, Gidon Sa'ar, uh, would serve as justice minister. Uh, Ayelet Shaked wanted the job of justice minister, but it had already been promised to Gidon Sa'ar. She will be serving as interior minister, and uh, she'll be very competent in that job, although it would be much preferable if she were serving as justice minister. But at least as interior minister, uh, she'll have a prominent role in the in the uh, cabinet. So that means that Naftali Bennett is getting the first rotation as Prime Minister. Then the Foreign Ministry, and his number two, Ailet Shaked, is getting the Interior Ministry. That's a lot he's getting for just having seven seats, and now six seats voting for him in the Knesset. That's that's a lot. <clears throat> so he's he's getting he's making out like a bandit here. Labor's leader Merav Michaeli, the aforementioned, uh, will receive the transportation portfolio. Uh, portfolio means that's, that's her job as a minister. And uh, uh, Omer Barlev, a longtime labor political official, uh, political personality, will be the public security minister. Now, um, I mentioned a few times before Meretz's leader, uh, Meretz is the far left protest party for a long time. Their leader, uh, Nitsan Horovitz, uh, was offered the health ministry, and he's taking that. But his, he's managed to, to get his. Uh, Another party member, uh, Tamar Zandberg, to serve as environmental uh, protection minister. And another, uh, uh, Isawi Frey, as uh, regional cooperation minister. So he's got a couple of positions there. So for, again, for a party with six seats, uh, he's getting a lot of stuff. And he'll be able to do a lot for his left-wing constituency in terms of environmental protection, health issues, and uh, that kind of thing. But But, I mean, three cabinet posts for having just six seats. That means half of his um, block in the Knesset will be serving in the cabinet. So, you know, a lot of these little parties, uh, they're getting, a uh, they're getting a good deal out of all this. So, uh, still working out the final, um, the final ink of, um, eyes and dotting I's and topping T's, uh, you know, inking out the last of this agreement, <clears throat> but it's where the, the, where the, the coalition talks stand at the moment. As I've stated before, this coalition agreement is by no means a done deal. There is still a lot, uh, there are a lot of challenges ahead. I mean, they're going to have to keep all of those votes together in order to get the 61 votes necessary to form a government. And we'll see if that holds. Uh, It's going to be exactly 61, uh, even if they get everybody who has promised to vote so far and near Orbach it will still be just 61. And there's a question of how long we'll be able to hold that together. So this is a government that has far-right parties and far-left parties, and they've tried to reach agreement on as many issues as they can. They'll certainly be addressing some of Israel's greater social problems. I've discussed beforehand, there are a lot of domestic and social issues that Bibi has been on the wrong side of that a lot of Israelis want to see addressed. These include the fact that the Russian Jews are still kind of... And Eastern European Jews still kind of out there, not quite integrated into Israeli society even after thirty years in the country uh, at this point, and a large number of a large influx of Ethiopian and east african Jews and uh, also the the Haredi, the ultra orthodox who are the men study all day and don 't work, and their wives uh, work multiple jobs, raise the kids uh, right they have to uh, they take up a lot of the welfare benefits in Israel a, a disproportionate and unfair uh, amount, according to a lot of people like Yair Lapid, and there are uh, there's the Israeli Arabs as well. So there are just a number of different groups that people would like to see uh, Israel kind of come together and be one country. And the opportunity is there uh, to head in that general direction. Unfortunately, uh, Netanyahu being uh, you know, having such loyal support from the ultra-Orthodox and having been a supporter of theirs just isn't the person to lead that effort. So if the change block is able to hold together the 61 votes and get through to a vote sometime next week or the week after uh, where they actually change the government, then uh, Naftali Bennett will become Prime Minister of Israel and uh, all of those ministries will be handed over to the various people I just described. Obviously, uh, Benny Gantz is already defense minister, so he'll keep his job. Except that he won't be the interim defense minister, he'll be the defense minister. This <laughs> is sort of a uh, change from the interim government, the, the uh, caretaker government, to a real uh, government. And after four elections, the political crisis will be, um, at least in part, resolved. Okay, so what happens to Bibi Netanyahu? Well, he'll have to leave the Prime Minister's residence. He's going to have to be a private citizen again uh, and go stay somewhere else. And he'll have to find gainful employment to uh, pay his bills. And uh, Bibi uh, I mean, he'll land on his feet. I'm sure he'll be able to take care of himself. He is uh, under trial at the moment for one of his corruption charges, and there are several other cases against him pending, and uh, he'll have to face those. Uh, I certainly hope it is not the case that uh, there's going to be this public spectacle of the uh, Israeli officials arresting him and you know him being dragged out in handcuffs and, and this kind of thing, because that, that isn't necessary. That isn't called for. Uh, Right or wrong, uh, Bibi has been Prime Minister of Israel for 15 years collectively, and he has done a masterful job. Uh, Israel is stronger than it was before. It is more uh, prosperous economically. Uh, There is no doubt that Israel has benefited from his leadership. Uh, However, maybe his time has passed, and he just hasn't been able to let go of that. Bibi can stick around as the leader of the Likud party for a while, uh, deal with his charges and and his trials. As I've said before, uh, the witnesses against him, uh, the cases are largely circumstantial. Uh, The witnesses have been pretty weak. They're obviously biased. It's not entirely clear that they really heard the conversations they claim to have heard or or discussed the things they claim to have discussed. Uh, Upper management talking with low-level technicians about uh, quid pro quos with the government is just a little bit implausible. In any case, uh, Bibi will be able to face those charges and deal with them. If he's convicted, he has the opportunity to appeal, just like in our judicial system. Uh, but you know, he'll, he'll deal with all that uh, afterward. However, he continues to be a member of the Knesset, and he continues to be the leader of the Likud party. Uh, he would not be able to serve as a cabinet minister so long as he is under trial uh, and under charge, because uh, other than the prime minister's office, no other office is open to him. It is also unlikely that the change block will pass any kind of legislation that would uh, give him immunity, grant him any kind of immunity to prosecution uh, or immunity to trial. So uh, he's likely to be there. Now, uh, the change block is likely to pass some kind of a law saying that you cannot serve more than eight years as prime minister. Uh, that the term limit rule has been something they've discussed. Uh, and I've, I've mentioned before in previous episodes, after about 10 years in office as prime minister, uh, people go grow a little stale. Uh, Maggie Thatcher did a great job for ten years, uh, got Britain back on the right foot. Britain was in deep, deep, deep trouble when she came into office in 1979, but by 1990, uh, she'd been there too long, and her own party ousted her. Uh, same thing happened to Tony Blair, uh, British Prime Minister, ten years in office. Uh, meanwhile, yes, John Howard's managed to survive twenty years as in office in Australia, but. I mean, you can just imagine right now, if Bill Clinton were still president, uh, you know, love him or hate him, it's time for a change. It's time for somebody new. So these are um, these kinds of situations. If they do change that law, then it could prevent Bibi from coming back as prime minister. However, if he were able to form a government uh, or Likud were able to form a government, maybe under someone else's name, they could always change that law and um, or repeal it and and get Bibi back in. So don't count him out. Bibi has been counted out many times, and uh, this doesn't mean he has to go away and and go hide under a rock somewhere until he dies. Uh, Bibi Netanyahu uh, was, uh, I mean, a lot of people thought he had uh, no chance against uh, Begin's son when he ran for uh, leadership of Likud, and he managed to win that. Uh, A lot of people counted him out against Shimon Peres in the 1996 Prime Minister race. Uh, There was a direct election for prime minister in addition to the Knesset race. He won and managed to become prime minister. Uh, He lost uh, to Ehud Barak three years later in 1999, uh, and everybody said he was done. But he didn't quite finish off there. Uh, Ariel Sharon took over uh, Likud and came back as prime minister in 2001, and he quickly appointed Bibi finance minister, and Bibi, using his uh, free market ideology, his approach to to economics, they created this massive boom in the Israeli economy by opening up the economy. And uh, when Ariel Sharon split off from Likud to form the Kadima party, uh, Likud had 12 seats, in the Knesset, I mean, they were they were way down. And, and again, everyone said, ah, Bibi's finished. And in 2009, he managed to come back and win uh, 27 seats. Now, Kadima won 28 seats, and a lot of people thought that meant that Kadima had won the election, but Bibi came very close to, to tying with them. In any case, he was the only one who was able to form a government. So he has been prime minister since 2009 straight. He's had a good run, but he could be back. This this change government, even if it comes into office... Um, they could fall apart uh, in a month. They could fall apart in six months. You have eight parties. You have a lot of political personalities. But I will also say, I mean, don't don't get your hopes up because all of these political personalities have a vested interest in making this government go full term. Yair Lapid knows that if he... If there are new elections, he's not likely to become prime minister in the first place, especially in the first two years here while Naftali Bennett is prime minister. Naftali Bennett, for forming this government, is probably finished in Israeli politics. Uh, after this, it's he's been the most popular candidate to be prime minister other than Bibi. But after this, uh, forming with the left and uh, getting rid of Bibi Netanyahu, he's not going to be very popular on the right or with his constituents anymore. So this is his last hurrah. Marav Mikhaili brought labor back from the, the dead and, and got it into government. So uh, for a lot of these people, they, they need this government to go full term. And uh, Mansour Abbas, the, the head of the Raham Party, has a lot of domestic issues he wants to address. And over the next four years, he's kingmaker. So he can keep uh, the coalition focused on dealing with his problems, make sure that they're addressing them. Because if they don't, someone else could become prime minister. Should Bibi retire, uh, Likud does have a number of great leaders in the wings. Uh, Nir Barkat, who is mayor of Jerusalem, is a Likudnik and member of the Knesset. He would be a great leader of Likud if uh, Bibi were to retire. And uh, he could very well come back in 2025 and become prime minister. Uh, Likud still has a very strong position in Israeli politics. The, the pendulum has swung to the right. The fulcrum has moved to the right the center of israeli politics has is moved rightward likud still has a strong leadership position for the future but uh, as my uh, a good friend of mine uh, and a former israeli commando pointed out uh, he said uh, israel will be fine uh, we we get a lot of people who worry oh if if bb isn't in office uh, israel will be a problem oh if the left doesn't win you know israel's going to be fine they have a very strong security apparatus they have a very Uh, strong, the IDF is very strong, a very strong sense of self-preservation, Israel is going to take care of itself, it's going to take care of its security, and they're going to be okay with or without Bibi. But don't count Bibi out, he could be back, he's been, he's been, uh, you know, he's got to the count of two, if you, my brother loves wrestling, you know, know, one, two, and he's gotten back up, I mean, he's he's never allowed himself to be uh, finished off before. But this could very well be uh, his last week uh, as prime minister uh, as well. Uh, and uh, again, congratulations to Isaac Herzog, 11th president of Israel and the first president whose father was president. Uh, and uh, he'll be serving as president for seven years now. So that's the news. I will update this as uh, things go forward. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of exciting Israeli political news in the next week or two as. We watch this government come together and uh, try to get the 61 votes on the floor during a real plenum when they can actually elect uh, Naftali Bennett prime minister and uh, impanel the cabinet to uh, govern the country. And uh, we'll see if they have the votes for that. As always, I enjoy making these podcasts for you. Uh, Please do tell your friends. Help them stay informed. Uh, They can like the Facebook page so they can stay up to date and never miss an episode. Visit politicalvanguard.com and uh, catch up with episodes there. Uh, Look back at the older episodes to make sure you know everything about the Israeli political system uh, and maybe a little bit more that you didn't need to know but you might find interesting nevertheless. And, uh, of course, uh, you can find Inside Israel News on Apple, Spotify, Podbean, and other podcast services, thanks to Anchor. Uh, With that, I will say, as always, lehitraot, goodbye. Kolsej nama sall me low, fallon, zébafon, ka orbat szovaray, kol sä ja mam mafar in blow